know you are here because Jesus promised us that he would be with us wherever two or three are gathered in your name. And we are here, we are gathered. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning for the grace to cooperate with whatever it is that you want to accomplish this morning. Give me ears to hear your voice. Give me a heart that is soft and willing to respond to your nudge. Give me the mind of my Savior, Christ Jesus. Pray for my friends in this room that you would, that we, that all of us would come to your word with hearts that are prepared to receive, prepared to receive the incorruptible seed that it would be planted deep within us, that it would grow up to a harvest of righteousness for your namesake, we ask. Jesus' name, amen. So, I don't know what you've heard about these times that we're going to be spending together, uh, <laughs> uh, but it is my, it is my, my uh, genuine pleasure and a true honor for me to be here with you this morning and for the rest of the year, uh, pretty much every week, depending on your schedule and mine, uh, that we'll be spending an hour and a half together um, pursuing an understanding of God's Word. Uh, it is, I, I like to be provocative. And what I mean by that is the, the, the word, are, are you familiar? Who knows what that word provocative means? Somebody give me a, give me a, a a definition of the word provocative. Provocative. Go ahead. Yes, exactly. Precisely. Yes. And some, sometimes provocative is thought of as, as controversial. Um, but that's not what I, when I, when I say provocative, that's not what I mean at all. I mean, in the actual definition of the word, which means I want to cause you to think. That's why I'm here. I'm here to take God's word and to open it to you by the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that maybe you will think more, di think differently about it than you have in the past. That's my goal. My goal is to mess with the frames that you have had prior to today because you do have a frame through which you view God's Word and through which you think about Jesus and through which you think about God 
and that frame is not 100% uh, helpful for how you should think about God. Some things about that frame are beautiful, God-honoring, lovely, wonderful, and exciting. But some things about that frame are not, are not uh, coming from the Holy Spirit and not coming from God's Word, not coming from the revelation of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Some, of those, some things of those frame are coming from the house you grew up in, from the school that you went to, from your favorite preachers, your favorite people of the past. So I am not here to give you my frame, although I also have a frame. Okay. I am here to make room for the Holy Spirit to give you his frame. That's my hope. That's my desire. I do record these. I've been recording. This is my seventh year teaching this Bible study. Is that crazy or what? This is my seventh year teaching this Bible study to Master's Commission students. And uh, about halfway through the first year, the students asked me to start recording the classes and making them available just so they could go back because the stuff that we go through, these first couple weeks, we're going to be talking, we're, we're going to be tackling a couple of uh, of ideas, sets of ideas, uh, but after that we will be going verse by verse through portions of Scripture. Uh, and there's, they will be dense. And what I mean by that, not boring, not dull, I hope. I hope not dull, but dense. In other words, you're going to hear a lot of information that you may not be able to completely process in the hour and a half that we have together. And so I record them and they are put out in podcast form. Um, I, I do edit them. So if one of the things that happens in this class is sometimes the Holy Spirit will just jump into the middle of our class and be like, yeah, I'm changing up the, the thing and I've got some stuff to say. And uh, we might just spend time... Uh, uh, you know, if the Lord gives me a word for one of you, or if the Holy Spirit wants to deal with something specific, I'm happy to do that. We'll go after that. Um, and uh, and if we do that, that won't go out on the podcast, so you don't need to worry about that stuff. But uh, well, yes, but see, that's all a part. That's all a part of the frame. Is yeah, is is the history of the church. Absolutely. Oh, this church, this church in particular. Well, yeah, we can talk about that as well. No, I didn't. I, uh, I didn't for a lot of reasons. Um, but no, I did not post that one. Because <laughs> um, I wanted to be honest with everybody about the history of this church. And so I said some things that aren't necessarily for public consumption about the history of this church. Uh, I, I, am the, uh, I am the son of the, of the former pastor of this church. He is retired. Pastor Ron Hawkins was the pastor of, of this church since 1991 up until last year when he retired and handed it over to Rob. Uh, and I'm, I'm his son, and so I grew up at First Assembly. Um, and I know a lot about the history of this church and all of the things, good and bad, 
that have taken place here. Um, but uh, yeah, so we might get into that conversation as the Holy Spirit leads. But anyway, if it's sensitive like that, it won't go out on the podcast. Or if you say something that you don't want me to put on the podcast, you can ask me and I'll consider whether or not I'm going to put it on the podcast. <laughs> I say that because I do not want you to not ask a question because you're worried it's going to go out on the internet, okay? I, I want, this class is for you guys, and the only reason I started putting it out as a podcast was because the students asked me to put it out there in a way that they could access it. Um, and, uh, and so... I don't want the fact, now there are a lot of people, including former students of this, of Master's Commission, etc., cetera, uh, and people outside, I have, you know, I know other, that listen to the podcast still, um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, it's not, uh, it's not like you're going to be out there in front of a bunch of people. That's why I'm wearing this microphone, in case you wondered, okay, is to put that out there. I just really feel like I'm just being stared at by. Uh, I was wondering why you were wearing a microphone. That's why you know last year I I was doing this in different ways and and if any time I would bump the table or anything oh. like that it would make these big like in the and uh, and I've started recording my Wednesday night Bible studies for the church we've been doing those live online. Um, and this is the setup I use for those, uh, except that's video. I'm, we're not going to do video in here. Um, it would just be weird to do video. I don't even know how we would do it. Oh, we could do that. I mean, I, I mean, if and and last year we did have two or three Bible studies that we had to do via Zoom call because of lockdown. But um, but no, I'm not planning on doing video for a video podcast of this, just audio only. But anyway, okay, so before we jump into the things that I feel like the Holy Spirit's laid on my heart for for today, are there any questions at this point in time? Do not hesitate to ask. Uh, one thing that we did do last year that we are not going to do in here this year, there is a, we have set up another venue for this discussion, uh, but was we spent a couple weeks on the Enneagram last year. Um, uh, but uh, we won't be doing that in Bible study. Uh, we're going to be taking another time, is the three weeks. So starting, I think, next week, actually, it'll be, it's a Wednesday thing for the first years so where we're going to talk about Enneagram. Crowd um, number seven. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the idea was the second years don't need to go through that stuff again. That was, that was my understanding anyway. So we won't be talking about the Enneagram in this venue, but we are going to talk about the Enneagram. It is a useful and helpful tool. Uh, and for those of you that don't know what it is, just wait till a week from tomorrow. You'll, we'll, we'll have some fun with, with the Enneagram, right? Yay! Okay, so <laughs> any questions? Anybody? Anybody? Catherine, do you have any questions for me? I'm just trying to remember your names. Isaiah? That's your name though, right? Questions for me? Megan? Jana? 
I cannot. Riley? Yes! And Samuel? Glory to God. Okay. Okay. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Okay. I also, just, just FYI, if you have things you want to talk about that come up in Bible study or whatever that aren't really something you want to talk about with everybody, I'm happy to stay after and chat and whatever, or you can contact me other ways uh, as well. So I just want to be a help to you guys. That's my whole thing. I came up through Master's Commission, not this Master's Commission, although it was at First Assembly, but it was an entirely different beast. Um, I mean, radically different beast. And of course, it was back in the Stone Age, so uh, because I'm an, I'm an old person. Um, but uh, no, it was 97, 90, or yeah, 97, 98, and uh, beginning of 99. I did Master's Commission here at First Assembly. It was awesome. Not really, but it was. So, I have been in your shoes. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, but you guys aren't excited about anything. Let's all stand up. I just want you to wake up. Just move around. You know, give somebody a high five. Twist, turn, stretch become alive before we go into God's word. I think, you know, we should have some blood flowing in our veins. Yeah, you know, just, just, just do what you need to do to awaken your body. You are an embodied creature. You're not just a, a, a head on a stick. You are a human being, body, soul, and spirit. Once you feel good, you can sit down. Once, once blood is flowing. Oh, hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's not what I want. Where are Hebrews. Yeah. <laughs> I promise I don't have COVID. I know, because I had it already, and I can't get I'm just kidding. I didn't. Okay. We are going to begin our time together in Hebrews chapter 1. And like I said, we are, eventually, we will get to the place where we are going to be going verse by verse through portions of Scripture. We will definitely, unless the Holy Spirit leads otherwise, be jumping into the Sermon on the Mount to begin with. Why? Because it's the most important portion of Scripture for those that want to follow Jesus is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So we will be going through the Sermon on the Mount probably in starting in October. Uh, but we are going to begin by talking about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Hebrews chapter one. Here is the deal, my friends. I'm not going to read it quite yet. Starting with verse one, Hebrews chapter one, verse one. We are going to talk about Jesus. And here is a man named after Jesus. Did you know that? It's right. I am also named after Jesus, but because we do. Yes. Yeshua was Jesus' 
actual name, if you had ever walked up and spoken to him, you know, in the flesh, he would have said, hi, I'm Yeshua, right? Uh, That's what he would have said because that's what his name is. And Yeshua, which is Hebrew, translated directly into English is Joshua, which is my name, and that's uh, Joshua Francis's name as well, obviously. Uh, But our Bible, our New Testament was written in what language, Isaiah, originally? The New Testament was written originally in what language? Somebody give me an answer. Greek is correct. In particular, if you want to get really super Bible nerdy about it, Koine Greek. There's several different kinds of Greek. But anyway, the language of the New Testament is Greek. It was not written in English. It was written in Greek. Not even Old Testament English. Or not even, I should say, King James English is what I, meant, what I mean to say. The, begin, the Old Testament is written in what language? Hebrew. Correct. And, oh, there's another one too. There's another one? Yes. I, I didn't know that. Parts of Daniel are written in Aramaic, which is a sister language to Hebrew. Okay, so every time you read the Bible, you are reading a translation of an original language. And for us to understand what the Bible actually has to say, we have to go back to the original language. So every time I read you, I'm going to read to you in Greek. No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. I'm not going to do that. I don't read Greek. I took one semester of Greek. I got a C minus, and that is because I cheated. I would have failed that class horribly, but it was, I was taking the class online and I had my book open during the final. That is the truth. Just going to be honest with you. Um, uh, I, I am good at vocabulary. Like I remember words and what they mean, but, but syntax and grammar, that's tough stuff. Anyway, okay. So the New Testament was written in Greek. Why was I saying that? I'm trying to remember now. Oh, Yeshua in Greek is Jesus. And Jesus in English is Jesus, which is why we call him Jesus. But his name at the time, hi, his name at the time was Yeshua. That was his name. And that is still his name. But you can call him Jesus. He's okay with that. He really is. He doesn't care. It's not important. Right? Okay. We're going to talk about Jesus. As Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are followers of the second person of the Trinity. We are followers of our Lord and Savior, the one who is the perfect revelation of the Father, Jesus Christ. That is who we follow. That's why we're called Christians, because Jesus was called the Christ, which means the anointed one. And by the way, that's not his last name. I mean, are you aware of that? That Christ is not Jesus' last name? It's his title. It's kind of like, I'm Pastor Josh. You Feel free to call me Josh. You do not have to call me Pastor Josh, unless it's like an, an IMC rule. I, I don't know if that's it is or not. You can just call me Josh. I don't like people calling me pastor. It really kind of bugs me, to be honest with you. But that is my title. Uh, or, or actually, my legal title is Reverend. Ooh. That's my legal title, Reverend Joshua Hawkins. I remember the first time that I got mail 
that said Reverend Joshua Hawkins on it. My wife goes, oh my God. Like, that's what she said. She saw it and was like, uh, yeah. I'm married to a reverend. Ooh, that she was not excited about. That. Anyway, so that's my actual title. And Jesus' title is Christ, or in Hebrew, Mashiach, which means what? Correct. Messiah. Messiah is the English translation of the word Mashiach, which also just means anointed one. Chosen, anointed, called for a specific purpose. That is his name. We are a people who follow Jesus. That is what we do. I've got a question for you. Do we follow this book? Do we follow, we're Christians, do we follow this book? Well, we follow the one who wrote the book. That's correct. That's what I was trying to say. The answer is no. You are not Biblians. And you are not worshipers of the Bible. It's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scripture. It's not. Now. Am I saying the Bible is bad or that we shouldn't read the Bible? Of course I'm not saying that. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? That's all we're going to do in this class is read the Bible and talk about the Bible. That's all we're going to do because I love the Bible and I have spent my whole life saturating myself in the Bible. I still continue to do so. It's usually the first thing after I check whether or not there's a two-hour delay. It's usually the first thing I do in the morning is I open up my daily Bible reading and I lay in my bed and I just read the this portions of Scripture. That, that's usually how I begin my whole day is to, is to begin my day with the Bible. But we're not followers of the Bible. We are followers of who, Isaiah? Correct. We are followers of Jesus. Now you might say, What's the difference? There is a huge difference. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about in this class. Amen? Okay. Let's begin to read. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of his, speaking of the Father, glory, and the exact representation of his, the Father's nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he who as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. We will stop there for now, okay? Because we've got lots of glory to unpack, okay? And, um, there's so much glory in those couple verses. Wow, it's exciting. It's awesome. It's, woo! Get excited, Isaiah! Got a smile on your face! Okay. I love Jesus, and I love the Bible, and I love the Bible because it shows me Jesus. It's the only reason I love the Bible. That's the only reason. Because it shows me Jesus. Okay? Because J the Bible didn't die for my sins. The Bible isn't my living way into the presence of God. The Bible isn't the sacrifice that inaugurated the new covenant by whose blood I am sprinkled and am 
and ushered into the throne room of God Most High so that I can have relationship with my Creator forever and ever and ever. The Bible is not God Himself uh, that, is, that is shown to us in perfection and beauty and glory. The Bible's just the story we told to help people meet Him. Does that mean the Bible's not inspired? No, it doesn't mean that. I am not trying to lower your opinion of the Bible. I am trying to exalt your opinion of Jesus. Are you with me? God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Somebody with a different translation, read that first verse to me. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay? I actually love this translation because it says in many portions. Okay? In the original Greek, it's something like bit by bit or one piece at a time. Uh, we can't take this to mean God's earlier revelations to the Jews were better than his later ones, but that until Jesus came, God chose uh, lots of other methods and means to speak to his people. So, this is who God is. For all of time, since humanity was first created, God has been showing us who He is. God loves to show us who He is. God constantly wants to show us who He is. He is regularly inviting us to know Him. I had an experience. How many of you are familiar with the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri? Anybody? Okay. The International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri is a place where people, have, where people go to dedicate their lives so that prayer, inter, uh, prayer and worship are going up before the throne of the Father 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they've been doing that for around 15 years now, nonstop. There have been a community of anywhere, you know, about 2,000 people, maybe 1,500 people who spend their days. Most of the time, they raise money like missionaries to go and spend their time, pour out their lives in this place where they are just praying and worshiping 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is prayer and worship going up before the Father from the House of Prayer in Kansas City, okay? Um, they're modeling themselves after the tabernacle that David built. Are you familiar with that story? David came, David became the king over Israel, right? And he decides very quickly after he becomes king that he wants the presence of God to be at the center of his kingdom. So he goes and finds the Ark of the Covenant, which has just been sitting in a barn somewhere. Okay? And he brings it in, and it's a whole long story about what happens when he brings it, because he only gets it halfway, and then they have to stop for a while. And then a couple years later, uh, he brings it the rest of the way. And he parks it in Jerusalem. But instead of building a temple, because God would not allow him to build a temple yet, God said, you don't get to do that, David, because you're a man of blood, but your son will do it. So that's why Solomon built the temple instead of David. 
But in the meantime, for, by the way, David raised like almost all the money it would take to build the temple. He just didn't actually build the temple, which is a really interesting thing. But David cared so much about the presence of God and hosting the presence of God well in the center of his kingdom that David said, I'm going to, he built a tent in the center of Jerusalem and he put around the tent people that would be in prayer and worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And for 30 odd years, that was going on. And most of the book of Psalms was written during that time. It's the only time in Israel's history where the Ark of the Covenant was not behind a curtain, hidden away. It was out where people could see it. And instead of a curtain, there was a human curtain standing around it, lifting worship and praise unto the Most High God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even on the Sabbath. They were worshiping God in David's tabernacle. The book of Amos chapter 9 says, And I will raise again David's tabernacle. The people at the, the house of prayer and houses of prayer all over the world have said, We want to see that happen. And so they have dedicated their lives to 24 hours a day, seven days a week worship ever since. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, and I'm not sure why I needed to go back through all that history, but it's good anyway. So, so I was there for a conference. They do a conference every year. Uh, around, about the, around about New Year's time, um, at, called the One Thing Conference. I actually think they may not be doing that uh, this coming year, but I'm not sure. Anyway, they, have, they did it for years where they had this conference called the One Thing Conference. And I was at the One Thing Conference, and I had taken a bunch of people from the youth group, and I had, we had gone to the One Thing Conference together. I had taken most of the worship team and whatever. And we went... And the way this conference work is, works is they have the prayer room, which continues to do what the prayer room always does. It is a place of worship and prayer, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then they have a, another room, which is the conference room where the speakers are and the whatever, the rest of the things you would normally, you know, and they do worship in there too, but it, it's not constant. And so I was, in the con I was in the conference room and I just wasn't really having a, like really encountering God. And, and I really wanted to go and spend some time in the prayer room. So I went and spent some time in the prayer room. And I, am, and I sat down, and the, the, this room is just packed with chairs. I mean, there's, and there's people everywhere. And the prayer teams are going, and they're doing what they do. And, uh, and, and, and they, they were singing. They always sing Scripture. They, 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 they read and sing and pray from Scripture all the time. And they were doing that. And they were singing from Psalm or, uh, 51. Uh, uh, I think it's Psalm 51, uh, search me, know me, see if there be any wicked way in me, O God, right? Okay, they were singing that, and, and they were bringing that up before the Lord, and I was sitting there, and I'm just like, yes, Lord, search me and know me, see if there be any wicked way in me, and I saw this picture. I saw Jesus walking up to me like this, and he says, I know you. I want you to know me. And when he said that, he took his robe and pulled it open like this, okay? So that his heart, I could see his heart. And when that happened, I lost all bodily function, completely just, you know, just like completely lost all control, fell down in between the aisle, in between the seats. And I'm going to back up here and give you some, you see, this is this, this house of prayer, uh, you know, how many of you know that prayer and prophetic people can be a little kooky? 
You know what I'm talking about? And I'm saying, spe- I'm speaking as a prayer and prophetic person. That is, I, that is my, that is, those are my people. Okay. And we can be a little kooky sometimes, right? It's just reality, right? We can do, I saw a, an orange in the heavens, right? You know, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but anyway, so there's rules at the house of prayer that, yeah, p- please encounter God. We love that. But if you get distracting, like if you start doing something really kooky and weird, we're just going to usher you off to the kooky weird room. You're fine to be kooky and weird in there. Everybody in there is going to be kooky and weird. But we just don't want every, anybody distracted from engaging with God because you're dancing around like throwing perfume in the air. You know, we're just not, we don't, we're not interested in that. And so, and I had been told that that was the case. And so when I got like, ah! I, was, I, I had this thing in the back of my mind, oh, they're going to pick me up and carry me off to the kooky and weird room. I just know that's coming. And I'm laying there and I'm just overwhelmed by the presence of God. I'm overwhelmed by this picture of Jesus. And, and then I, re- and I, and I, and I hear this voice yelling at the top of its lungs. And then I realized it was my voice. And I was saying this phrase that I did not necessarily understand. And this was the phrase. Are you ready? He is the naked God. That's what I was yelling at the top of my lungs. Okay. Like over and over again. I was going to go, I was going to get dragged off to the kooky weird room. I knew it, but there was nothing, there was nothing I could do at that particular moment. I didn't, by the way, get dragged off to the kooky weird room, but I think that's only because the chairs were very close together and I don't think they could get to me because I was laid down in between the two chairs. Anyway. After this experience, I began to ask Jesus what the heck that was about. Have you ever had an experience with God that you did not understand whatsoever and you had to? If you haven't, we'll get busy, y'all, because it's time to have some experiences with God that you don't know. What, what, I mean, obviously that's not up to you, but, but, but just be ready because God's kind of unpredictable like that. Anyway, so I started asking Jesus and going back to God's word and saying, Lord, help me understand what this means. What does it mean that you are the naked God? What does it mean that you did? And, and, and what I began to understand from God's word was that one of the primary desires in the heart, in the fiery burning heart of Jesus, and he is wildly passionate to all of his extremes. Jesus is in no way boring, not for a fraction of a second. And Jesus is in no way just kind of like, whatever, man. No, 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 no. Jesus is passionate and excited and, and he is fiery about everything that he does. One of those passions in his heart, probably the, maybe the biggest one, is he wants you to know who he is. He wants you to see who he is. And from the very beginning of all of creation, why did God even create the universe? He created it as a place where you and him could live together and you could be in relationship with one another because his desire is that you would know him as he is. It's his longing. That's his burning passion. That's his overwhelming desire. And when the book of Hebrews says, God has in the past spoken to our fathers, we, that he is talking about the Old Testament and everything that has led up into this moment. He's talking about every single time and every single way that God the Father has worked his omnipotent power to reveal his glory to human beings. Are you with me? 
God is always revealing himself. He's always showing us who he is. And his desire is that we would know him. He has invited us into intimate knowledge and encounter with a living God. Come on, somebody should be excited about that. I don't even know. <laughs> Personally, that's what keeps me going, okay? <laughs> but think about it for a minute. The God that created all things is interested in you knowing who he is, what's on his heart, what he cares about, what he delights and desires, what he's, oh my gosh, imagine what it must be. Oh man, we have been invited into relationship with the creator and sustainer of all things. Okay, I'm done with that part. Okay, that is what is on God's mind and God has always been doing that and he's been in every way that he can, little by little, here and there, whenever he could break into humanity and show them who he was, he did. But there's something you need to understand about God, and that is that God is love. What do I mean by that? I mean a lot of things by that, but one of the things I mean by that is that God will not push himself onto someone who is not ready and or willing to see or to hear. Okay? God wants a relationship with you. He's not interested in overriding who you are and what you want in the world to impose himself on you like, I'm God, get over it. That's not who he is. Which is why, have you ever wondered why God doesn't show up more powerfully at different times? I mean, would we have a problem evangelizing if the archangel Michael was walking down the street going, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Messiah. Can you imagine? I mean, think about it. Would we have a problem evangelizing if Jesus himself would show up in our church services like, you know, I'm just the world. And this is like explosion of power. And everybody's like, like you know, groveling on the ground. And Jesus is just like, I am Jesus, follow me. Do you think we'd have a problem evangelizing if... Why doesn't... So, everyone would know at that point. Right. So why doesn't he do that? Well, that's true. But why? Because it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus. Well, I mean, it is our responsibility as followers of Jesus. But why? Why would he give it to us? Why me? Why me? Archangel Michael would be way better at this than me. I mean, the, the littlest, puniest angel. Not even, you don't even need Archangel Michael. The littlest, puniest angel. Doesn't even have his wings yet. That's not a thing, by the way. We'll talk about angels at some point in this, in this class. But... <clears throat> Okay, but this tiny little, the weakest angel is still a thousand times more glor glorious and powerful than I am. And again, why doesn't he just have the angels preach the gospel? It's a, go ahead. Talent or a specific way that he wants things done. 
But if we don't like Jesus do that, then he'll find some other ones. That's very true. But why us? Because we're going to mess it up every time. That's true. Aren't we? I mean, look at Moses. He, he had that air Look at every single biblical character. They all have gigantic flaws. The only one that we see that is like the closest to having no flaws, other than Jesus, we don't count Jesus in that list. But, uh, but is Joseph, he's the closest we get to somebody who has no flaws. And he was kind of an arrogant jerk when he was a kid. But anyway, why us? Because God is about love and relationship. And if God came in all of his blazing glory, would we have a choice about following him? Would that really be a relationship? Why did God put that fruit in the garden? Exactly. And he still does. Why did Jesus tell Satan to go take a hike when Satan told him, hey, Jesus, just jump off the roof of the temple, and when the angels catch you, everybody will know you're Messiah? Why did Jesus go, eh, wrong, not doing it? Why? Why did he do that? He did that because God's not about raw show of power, that makes everybody scared to death. If I don't follow him, I'm, you know, some, uh, then whatever. God wants loving followers. God wants people who voluntarily choose to enter into a relationship that's marked by faith in something we cannot see. And in that place, in the subtle little ways that God has spoken to us, God is making himself known. And all throughout human history, that is the way he has done it. He has come in sneakily. He has has come in quietly, he's come in lovingly, and he has spoken to us little by little as we could handle it in the ways we could handle it. And that is what the Bible is. The Bible is the story of the ways that God has snuck in and talked to us through the grids of our culture, through the grids of our own understanding, and through the grid of what we can handle at any particular given time. That is what it looks like. So little by little, moment by moment, God has spoken to us through many different things, through grand events like the splitting of the Red Sea and through the whispering still small voice that he spoke to Elijah in the cavern. This is who our God is. He picks his moments. But now... Now he has spoken to us by his son. Before, it was little hints and shadows and whispers and types, but now God has taken on human flesh. And he has spoken to us face to face as a man. And Jesus is the great revelation of who the Father is. The definitive, the final, the complete, the ultimate revelation 
of who the Father is. Are you with me? God has been at work showing us who He is. And all through the Old Testament, He kept pointing forward to a day that was coming when it was going to be different than it is now. And you'll see me face to face and my laws will be written on your heart and you will have be, you'll be forgiven for your sins. That day is coming. A new covenant is coming. One is coming. Messiah is coming. He's on his way. I'm on my way. It's coming. And then Jesus shows up on the scene, is the fulfillment of all that God has said about Messiah up until that point. And Jesus is Messiah and Jesus is the perfect revelation of the Father, which means this. If you're reading scripture and you deduce a truth about God that doesn't look like Jesus, the truth you have taken from that passage is incorrect. Jesus is the perfect revelation of the Father. Jesus is the one who showed us what God is like. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never been a time when God wasn't like Jesus. We didn't always know that, but now we do. And the written word, the Bible, this beautiful, wonderful gift that we have, bows before the living word, who is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said it to the Pharisees at one point in his ministry. He said, boys, you search the scriptures every day thinking that it's going to give you eternal life. But you refuse to come to me and I'm the one the scriptures are telling you about. It's like your significant other, your, your wonderful handsome hunky boyfriend or your hot smoking girlfriend has been sending you love letters for all the time that you were apart and every one of those was so sweet and beautiful to you and you're just like <sighs> my wife and I dated for three days and then she went to the Philippines for 10 weeks 10 weeks it was the whole summer we dated for three days and then she disappears for 10 weeks. I mean, I knew where she was. But this was a different world with no texting, no internet chat. She couldn't have done it even if she, she was in the middle of nowhere taking care of orphans. And so we wrote long letters, eight and 10 pages front and back to each other because we were smitten. And those letters, I just waited for them because it took two weeks for letters to get from the Philippines to the United States, from the United States to the Philippines. Which means that a lot of times our letters were crossing in the mail and I was writing things that, you know, it was. But we had all this time and where we're pouring out our hearts to each other in these letters. Now imagine that the day that she showed up at the airport coming home from the Philippines, that I came to the airport, maybe I didn't even come to the airport, 
But I come to the airport with my hand full of those letters. And here she is. She's there for me to wrap my arms around her and to give her a kiss and to say, I love you. And she's right here and she's alive and well and right in front of me. And in all of her glory, she's right there. And I walk up to her and I'm like, just reading the letters. And I don't even notice that she's there. I'm just, my face is stuck in the letter. Oh, these letters are so good. These are such great letters. You write good letters. I just keep, just, just read the letters and I pay no attention to her. And I'm not even interested that she's there in, in, in totally physically available in there. And I don't have to read the letters anymore. I can just talk to her. Now, am I going to throw those letters away? No, I love those letters. I'm going to keep those letters forever. I still have them. But now she's here. Does this make sense? When we do this with the Bible, when Jesus is available to us, but all we do is just nose around in the Bible we, we, and we're not, we're not interested in Jesus' actual presence? Now, am I telling you, you don't need the Bible anymore, Jesus is here. No, I'm not telling you that at all. Give me a break. What I'm saying is that Jesus and who he is and what he showed us about the Father should take us back to the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and clarify for us what God was saying and doing in each moment of the Old Testament. That God, the God revealed in Jesus Christ, is the same God who lived and worked and spoke in the Old Testament. He didn't change his mind. He doesn't look or think or act or feel differently in the New Testament than he did in the Old because God doesn't change. He's unchanging. He is forever the same. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus perfectly revealed the Father to us. Everything we talk about in this class, all of the time that we spend, is all going to be spent reading the Bible through the lens of Jesus, seeing the God that Jesus revealed to us. Sometimes that's going to be really hard. Because the Bible is anything but simple. And it requires work and thought and prayer. It's never going to be enough for us to say, the Bible says it, that settles it, and it. No, stop it. Because the Bible is saying something, but that doesn't mean you're seeing it correctly. If you're walking away from the Bible with a picture of God that looks nothing like Jesus, then you need to go back to the Bible. Jesus perfectly revealed the Father. And we are followers of Jesus. And when we go to the Sermon on the Mount, which might happen next week, I don't know. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead the conversation. But when we go to the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus reframing Old Testament for his listeners. 
who were very familiar with the Old Testament and with the law. And Jesus was saying, in fact, he actually says in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, A, but I tell you, B. In other words, this is how you interpret that scripture, but this is what it actually means. We're going to do a lot of that in here. In fact, that's really all we're going to do in here is to take a fresh look at scripture. And I don't, I am not, again, I'm going to say this one more time, I am not interested that you get my frame for reading the scripture. I want all of us to get Jesus' frame for seeing the, the scripture. That's what I'm interested in. You and me. We're going to let Jesus be our rabbi. We're going to let Jesus challenge us. We're going to let Jesus confront our stuff. <gasps> We're going to let Jesus talk to us about the United States of America. Woo! We're going to let Jesus talk to us about our republicanism or our democratism. We're going to let Jesus talk to us about our political leanings because Jesus was incredibly political. We're going to let Jesus talk to us about how we see people that are different than we are. We're going to let Jesus talk to us about how we see ourselves that's what we're going to do at least if i can get out of the way and let jesus do some work in here are you excited i am (laughs) this is my seventh year doing this and i'm still excited because every single year as i pursue this the lord does things in my heart and i love that So thanks for helping me grow. (laughs) Really, though.